So this is just us talking for an hour. It is, and we've actually started the podcast already. Uh, Fucking get, sweet. <laughs> G'day, mate. Um, everyone out there, this is uh, Simkoff. Who else we got here? Uh, Merlin? I am Toriadori, a.k.a. Bert Big Dick Perry. Hi, I'm Glenn. <laughs> so, so you know, it's like four guys from Australia, all Melbourne guys, L5R podcast. Go. Yeah, so we wanted to make this a bit of a lo-fi experience, aka <laughs> no editing, uh, poor quality mics, and a bit of, you know, just a bit of a hodgepodge of uh, intersecting dialogues and stuff. It's the podcast for the working man. The, uh, yeah. what is the this? studious a- man, in my case. The white-collar podcast. <laughs> white-collar podcast, I love it. I'm uh, I'm indulging in a traditional Rokugani drink, the uh, the soy flat white. All right. <laughs> so at the time of recording, it's a release day for Pack Two of Let the Elements Cycle. Um, pack. Oh yeah, Pack Two Earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so we've just been through the maze micro meta pocket. Uh, that was fun and exciting. What a we great a time that was. Yeah, played a couple <laughs> tournaments. Uh, Merlin and I got DQ'd. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> Before we move on, double disqualification. What a day! Before we move oh, on, man. do you want to discuss uh, what went down at that tournament? Just yeah, a bit so more detail. So first of all, it was a high stakes tournament, uh, premium were, event. You were fighting for pins. routes, I believe. Is that correct? You were fighting for full yeah, out, that's right, full out routes and a, and a and a full out entrenched position again. Mm. Full out routes were on the line, and uh, it was at. KJ's gaming store. He uh, had some nice uh, sort of like coffee in real coffee mugs, not like plastic ones, but legitimate coffee mugs. And there was six. Of I think us. that should be. A, I should th- think that should be a thing, right? Like, yeah. like bookstores have like a cafe. I reckon gaming stores should have a cafe. Yeah, and look, if you look at the attendance, there was six of us. So it was similar to like a United States Kote event. Kind of similar. <laughs> <sort> of- <laughs> <laughs> yep. Burn man. <laughs> Um, yeah, so what? There were six of us there. Round one. Uh, three Hadamotos turned up though. So three Hadamotos and two Hadamotos and a regular Scorpion play got Dick Q auto game loss. Round one. Round one was over in less than twenty minutes. Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> all wrapped up in twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering why. Why Ben was crushing me so hard, and I looked in his discard pile and I saw a charge and a Pathfinder's Blade. And I'm like, fucking hell, man, these cards are good. <laughs> What's going on? I just think they're strong cards play together. I think it's also important to remember that um, Ben had been telling me the night before that he had something special for the group going into that tournament. <laughs> oh, no, okay. <laughs> and if so... it's premeditated, that's not cool, man. And I guess the other question that stems from that tournament was, uh, was any Hadamoto pins handed out to any players? Ben owes me one. Quite a premier level event. Um, it, yeah. uh, from, your, from your description and the quality of deck building that went into that event, it sounds like it was deserving of a, uh, of a uh, Hadamoto pin. Yeah, so what I, think, was, I think you need a disclaimer it. before you talk. Like this, The following sentence is sarcasm. <laughs> sarcasm podcast sarcast uh, dude I, so, I go ahead I was just going to say there's three games maybe you want to just run through what happened because I think it's not every day that this sort of thing happens it's a big event uh, maybe Merlin you want to talk about your game what went into your deck construction what were you thinking uh, <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that I definitely wasn't thinking um, I had heard, I'd heard, I heard, all right, so I heard the dragon was good and I didn't really feel like playing, I usually play Phoenix, right? But I didn't really feel like playing uh, Phoenix that day and I'd been drinking the night before and kind of work up a bit late. So I was building the deck on the way to the event and so I just grabbed all of the standard dragon stuff and started putting it in sleeves. But then I thought, well, I can't, I can't go and not play Phoenix unless I'm playing Phoenix. So I put in support of the Phoenix but I had Restoration of Balance and uh, Feast, uh, Feast or Famine in my row. And neither me nor my opponent saw it until 
after we had resolved conflicts at both provinces, and I opined <laughs> that I didn't get my seeker fate from either of the provinces. <laughs> we had no fucking idea. So it was only when you were trying to retcon not collecting a yeah, seeker yeah, yeah. fate, you're like, oh, shit. And, and it wasn't, to be fair, right, to give myself an, an out, right, it wasn't my opponent that declared the game forfeit. I declared myself forfeit. That's very honorable of you. Outback L5R, man. <laughs> it's something. It is kind of nice after a, a premier level event like a Kokai to have these more casual, I guess they're stronghold tournaments because I, I really enjoy them because I've played a lot of jank. Like I was playing Mirror's Gaze, Phoenix. It was mm. a lot of fun. I like um, that. Do we think that the Mirror's Gaze was a card that during design they went pretty simple design, no complex interactions? Like how, how have you guys played with it? Has it all been pretty simple? Uh, I've never played with it. I've only played against it, and I will admit that it's kind of like denial. It's like putting down uh, a watch commander or something like that. It forces your opponent to go, "Oh, well, I can't play these cards because I, if I play these cards, my opponent's just going to mirror them and so on." How, how so, yeah. are you, uh, Bertie? Personally, I have a Chinese uh, text version of the card, and I just tell my opponents it's got the exact same text as the Sawa Tadaka, and so that's been working out pretty well. well less errata, <laughs> right? Less clarity. Yeah, a lot less errata. It's, it's less, just a more less simple card. Yeah. <laughs> my God, that's crazy. Okay. Have you played so, against a Ben? Uh, yes, I played against a Crane opponent who just trapped me. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that Marwin? Was he playing oh, actually, Crane? Sorry, the second game is a guy was being night, nightmare cursed by these bloody Crane players. No, second game, right. he had it. Um, he used a Way of the Lion, so I played a Way of the Lion. He mirrored it, and we think that it ignores targeting restrictions. So he was able to target his Crane personality with a Way of the Lion, which says target a lion guy. <laughs> And double his one forced two. Does yeah, that turn the character into a lion character? What was that one? I was thinking that maybe that should turn the character into a lion character. Oh, I think so. Seriously. Um, I think what were they thinking, though, seriously, designing this fucking card? I thought they thought it'd be easy. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's simple. And not enough playtesting, I guess. Like... I don't Surely know. that must have got playtested. They already had like a, they already had a somewhat similar effect, right? With plagiarists that doesn't need any errata at all. No, I don't know what they were doing, man. Play yeah, I don't is know. It's a lot simpler, right? It's just play the event. Well, um, yeah. you get the text. I guess I I guess I can kind of see what they were trying to do. Like they were trying to create an effect that says, you know, like duplicate an event that just got played right but the wording the wording of the card is just weird yes. you know i think i think what happens when you're testing stuff like that is that you kind of get accustomed to the jargon right so if you're testing this game a lot you become accustomed to the way these cards read and what certain terms mean like play and put into play everybody talks about that unicorn guy and the difference between play and put into play but if you've been playing this game for a while, you get used to that, and then it, it doesn't even phase you. So I think that's what kind of happened. They kind of maybe printed this card, and then they just got used to the intent of the card, you know, matching the wording of the card in their mind. And yeah, various interactions might not have been apparent. I guess it's just going to be interesting moving forward, considering um, other LCGs only cycle after the seventh uh, cycle. Uh, is finished, and so uh, that card is going to be around for another what five cycles? So two and a half time. years to three years. So we've got and like forty-two like con or conflict. What do you call them? Dynasty packs, seven deluxe and core. <laughs> I'm sure there's nothing new complicated that'll get introduced. And you you're gonna have to test all the new events with mirrors gaze. I think, yeah, I mean, if playtesting actually wanted to do that, they could. I think it's just yep. more likely they'll retroactively be be like, oh, yeah, it doesn't work or it does work. Well, they, just, so print, 
They just print the neutral, let go, and then nobody plays it ever anyway because it's yeah. too cost attachment. <laughs> I, I think the important thing is, though, is to remember that they design things like that because at its core it is fun. Like, it is fun. Yeah. I think it is. I think it, that card is actually fun to play. It's Hell a great yeah. idea. You know, it's a very flavorful card for sure. Right. So, what are, what other favorite cards did you have in the uh, in the first couple of packs, boys? Do you know what? I think a card that hasn't come out yet, but it's been previewed, and and uh, Glenn was talking about this. I think it's like a really well designed card, and, I, and and actually no sarcasm here, but perfect okay. land ethos. Like it's a two cost oh, yeah. event, neutral philosophy action. Discard each status token. Uh, I think Glenn, you had some thoughts about this card, um, but I actually really like it. Uh, I think it's I think it, that's it's one of those cards that you can feel very good about putting one of in the deck. And unlike a certain other neutral card, uh, Sabotage, which is Earth Roll only, it's something that everyone can access. And so if Crane gets too strong, um, there's always going to be the out of... Or Scorpion get too strong. There is always the out of if your characters are too dishonored or if the Crane characters are all honored and you know that they probably don't have a cancel left in hand there's a way to kind of reset the board to a certain extent. Um, and I think we've seen Crane Honor starting to take shape as well. Um, and I've theorized since Core that the Honor Crane deck actually gains its most of its honor from just le- characters leaving play that are honored. And so I just think it's a nice card to have against that sort of deck if it becomes strong. I think also the important thing is to note that it actually, I think it absolutely wrecks Phoenix. Um, if they try to honor mm-hmm. out their big two, if they try to honor their big glory characters and they're not on Voice of Honor, you can just neuter mm-hmm. their um, their effort to try and honor their high glory character. I don't think um, Phoenix have ever really had much success in honoring their guys for you know a, a long period of time and smash face with them. Um, I think, I think card... honoring Phoenix is incidental. I think this card is cool. Because it can be a game saver for two fate, right? In 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 certain circumstances, you could have like two or three dishonored guys leaving play, and that's going to be the end for you. Where if you had, you know, another half turn or another conflict, even you could win the game. And this is going to be an out for the situation. So I think I think we might even see scorpions playing it as a one x for the mirror because it's going to like certain times in the mirror you go too hard too early, and then you've got dishonored guys leaving play, and you're about to lose. So it's good for that. Yeah, yeah it might see some play. I don't know. And certainly in um, for us in Australia, like in the final of the Kotai, like that card would have been a game changer because um, both of us were about to lose to being dishonored yeah. out if our players <laughs> left play. <laughs> so we, we could have given each other another turn. Dude, I had I had a uh, game today where I had four characters leave play that were dishonored and the guy had that heartless intimidator in play. So he just milled, <laughs> he milled like half of my <laughs> remaining deck and I lost four and it was great. Heartless is so, not per card, right? Like, introducing. It's not per card. It's like per honor loss effect. Yeah. Yep. So if you lose five, if you lose four honor from trading during the draw phase, it's only one. That's one honor loss yep. effect. But if you yeah. lose honor from four dishonored characters leaving play, that's four different um, triggers. Yep. Yes. Correct. Yep. And if you had a couple of them out, it kind of hurts. And I guess it's not. I know, like. Almost every card game, that ha- I'm trying to find a way to defend the mill mechanic. Um, <laughs> almost every card game, it's you know you play solitaire, and you know so if your opponent's playing mill, you just let them do their thing, and it's super. And then you win. Different. Yeah, and you win, right? You know, so- yeah, it happens. Yeah. In, um, I think so. I built Mal. Uh, I built one of the local players in Australia a mill deck because I had told him that against one player, uh, Merlin. I'd actually managed to mill like twelve <laughs> cards, and he got intrigued. The reality was, I think other I think other people have discussed this in in depth, but it's just if you like, I think I milled like twelve cards. But if I've milled yeah. twelve cards, I made the player lose twelve honor. So why haven't I won the game yet? Like yeah. really? Yeah. Like I just think and, it's and at least against Phoenix, like you're actually it's it's a little bit of a help, right? Because you're increasing their the range of options they have. Yeah, and you don't Phoenix, lose. It's not great. Can... But one of the effects I do like about it, if it's against a non-Phoenix 
I mean, actually, Phoenix can't use it, right? Oh, I see uh, what you're saying. Like, no, you, it's a, scorp- it's a scorpion yeah, card. Scorp- scorpion so no, like, card. But yeah, what's it puts spells into the bin? Yeah. So what's good about it against non-Phoenix opponents? You're actually getting information. So say against a crane player, if you discarded a way of the crane or a voice of honor or something, you know that if it's a voice of honor, they've at maximum got two left in their deck slash hand. So you can actually start to get information out of it. So I think it's if you're doing it just a little bit, then actually it gives you some minor information. The only thing I'd say is that three three fate cost slot in Scorpion, there's some pretty strong choices. Yeah, like does it ever kick out a Fawny Diplomat or a Shashura actress or Favoured niece? Favoured niece, no, it doesn't. You can't kick those out, they're all too important. Well I'll tell you I'll tell you what. Uh, as someone who plays um, Shrine Maiden a lot, I can tell you it feels really bad when let goes or censures go into the discard pile. Yeah, that's horrible. You know? So if you lose one of those off of off of this guy, it feels real real bad. So, so you're saying the tilt factor is a is an added benefit in the discard. <laughs> I think Ben I think Ben did point out though, like in the early game, if you discard the um, restricted card, it can actually be quite useful. Yeah, yes, you can have um, because it gives you that little bit of information. I think the biggest thing is is milling cancels because then you can play you play around less or milling a fate worse than death, right? Against scorpion, you mill one of those, you're like sweet, I only have two to worry about. Yeah. Cool. All right. You know what, card I reckon is going to be amazing. What's that? Amazing. Like, talking... right? No, I, I'm I've already been there. Right? You guys are way behind the curve on that one. All right, catch up. I think it's Matsu Seventh Legion. I think Matsu Seventh Legion is going to be oh, fuck every you, deck. Man. I'm already using it, man. I think it's legit. I love it. Yeah, but you're um, you're you also play uh, right in the streets in your row in Scorpion, so. Just <laughs> <was> one time. <laughs> you better give the listeners a disclaimer. <laughs> man, Hitsu Mori, I think, is legitimate. I know that all the Lion players are down on it, but I think it's a legit stronghold, and I think it's not too bad with with a bit of Scorpion splash. Consider raise the alarm. Like I'm just saying. If you raise the alarm into a seventh legion, you're probably okay. <laughs> you know, I've actually played a lot of games with this new line box over the last probably week or so, and I will say that I, when I first read it, I thought it was completely unplayable trash. And having played it, there, there's a lot of play to it. It's a lot of fun to play, and I think a lot of the, sadly, I think a lot of the benefit you get from playing this over the old box is going to get uh, reduced in time once people start figuring out how to play against it. Because, like, I have turns where, like, I did it on stream where I exploded out the gate and broke three provinces. And I just feel like six months from now, I'm not going to be able to do that against anyone because they're going to be aware of of what the the trick is. And then once that happens, then I'm going to be going back to the old box. That's how I feel about it. I think it. if there's movement tricks, and that's what there's, you know, that, what was that card in the first pack that lets you move a dude? Uh, all, all in or all for even one the odds. Even, even, even the odds. Yeah, so there's yeah. some of those cards that feel like trash at the moment. But like I kinda get the idea. Trash. I, I, I get can defend the, that card. You need to defend it. Well, I'm, I'm glad you can. But I guess the idea that you can send one dude as a lion and knowing that you've got so many force pumps, whether it's Legion of One, Banzai, Way the Lion, very soon spread, spreading the darkness, right? Like that one what are you going to do? Like, if you've got a couple of dudes, three three dudes out, the opponent has to either commit hard to avoid the trick, right? In which case you go, all right, you defended with all your characters and spent a bunch of fate. Great. I don't take this province. It's fine. All right? Whereas, you know, like, I, th- I think it forces the opponent to make potentially conservative bad decisions, Right? That you can you try and make the make it into a like a lose lose situation for the opponent. The rumor is that Unicorn are getting a stronghold with the exact same text. It's been floating around the message boards for a while, but and with, have, right? with, with the with cavalry as being the qualifier instead of Bushi, and I think yeah. they're going to be able to use it a lot, lot, lot better than Lion can because they have just inherently more ability to explode out of that stronghold. That's my opinion. And so much straighten, right? Like, yeah, well, the new encampment, that's the card out of the first pack that 
I thought looked good. And then when I played with it, I'm like, this thing is fucking amazing. Yeah, that encampment's incredible. And I think the encampment plus um, I Am Ready, which I think is playable. I defend that card, man. I play a yeah. unicorn deck which fates characters minimum five fate. I don't believe in less than five fate on characters in unicorn. Can you, didn't you get mazed like turn one or something and then it kind of fell apart? No, because you just straighten, right? Yeah, I, I think I like. I think I saw you. I think I liked. I think you passed first turn one or something. Yeah. And then you just you kind of just went like duo five fate, and yeah. I just kind of looked over and went well. I think this is going to be a hard game from now on because there's just a five fader duo, yeah. and the holding with if you run rebuild on that holding, yeah, rebuild makes it sick. Um, I think triple rebuild is pretty core. Cool. It'll be quite a staple unicorn build from now on. Yeah, yeah. it's actually... not unique too, right? You can have two of them on your row, straighten twice, and then rebuild oh. a third. I mean, guys, guys, the real jank is once Unicorn is an Earth roll, you can sabotage your own holding and then rebuild it back because there's no memory. So you get any yeah. ready to, guys. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, so there's lots of lots oh, of uh, fun down the line. I, I personally just... want a Seeker of Earth for Lion because I want access to that card plus Pathfinder's Blade. <laughs> Seeker of Earth. Yeah, I, want uh, I, thought, you, Earth. I thought you were talking about that... Um, that new attachment that launched today, the uh, <laughs> one cost uh, upholding uh, authority, three, or what? No, what's it called? Plus three political. Uh, basically, it's an expensive ornate fan, and yeah, and it gets discarded if you're. And it's uh, roll locked. Is it roll locked? I think it's roll yeah. locked. Yeah, I, I think maybe that's a good. I don't know if you guys wanted to talk about it on air, but uh, I think do we want to talk about roll locked cards quickly? Because I know sure. other people have addressed it, but maybe Merlin, do you want to talk just maybe briefly about sabotage, which I think is probably the biggest <laughs> offender of the roll lock issue. Um, the only thing I really have to say about sabotage is it breaks my heart, right? Like um, they print they print a card which is needed by everyone and give it to no one almost. It's just <laughs> it it feels very personal. It feels very personal when I think about. Um, that card. Um, yeah, I can have holdings, but you can't. I think, I think for me, the takeaway there is if you're going to make a card that has a very strong defining meta, like sort of card where it's like if holdings get out of control, which some may argue they're almost there already um, in some clans, but you kind of need to give someone, everyone a card or... Yeah. You do roll lock it, but then you allow players to choose that role to then focus yes. their deck yeah. into yeah, I mean... a, a like to be able to develop answers for that sort of deck. Um, yeah. It just feels bad right now because it just feels like there's there's no answer to either of those. And instead, the one clan that is already near the top, or I would argue the top, um, gets the gets the card, and they get. A boost against one of their harder matchups, which I think is Phoenix. I uh, think that yeah. roll locking in general has been the issue's been a bit beaten. Um, my argument is pretty concise. It's just that I, I'm happy for Seeker Keeper locked cards, excluding Dynasty. I think that's silly to make Dynasty cards uh, locked because in I think they learned from that though. I think I don't think that, I really hope they don't print anymore. I think um, the the yeah. Element Rock. Element locked cards, I think, is really, really silly to have any cards that are locked to an elemental role while only one role can be chosen for each clan. So yeah, I'm, I'm think... happy for the Seeker Keeper stuff, but the, the air roll, earth roll only stuff is really dumb. I think if you could choose your element, right, then I yeah. wouldn't mind the idea of giving elements identity, knowing that if you're playing air, then you get access to a bunch of stuff. If you're playing earth, you get a bunch of stuff. Because you don't get a choice... Then it's kind of yep. silly. Yeah, you, you want know? one or the other. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I that's a good suggestion. But maybe it's like the world winner picks if we're keeper or seeker for each clan. But then you within that you can actually keep you can actually pick the element. So so like you still have to be keeper of like earth or fire, but um, you do get that option of the element to <laughs> have the diversity of the deck building in that regard. 
here's a yeah here's a question for you hmm. Let, let's pretend for a second that they're not going to change and we can't make them change um what would you would you actually take your holdings out of the deck right like it's not an anti-holding card it's an anti-dynasty kind of card right so yeah there's holdings but it can get rid of characters that you intend to buy next turn or characters you intend to charge or things you like mean that if the, card, if the card were unlocked would we stop would we see people not play kanja district i don't think so exactly right so I if think that's, would still if that's the case if that's the case maybe what difference does it make it it only makes a difference because i as the person who doesn't have access to the card can't use it in the same way that my opponent can use it against me um, well i think uh, if I, you I, care I, about if you care about these one x holdings like dominate like deciding games on them on their own then you want this card like sabotage desperately to be unlocked exactly exactly right everyone yeah exactly yeah. so maybe the design i guess i guess for me maybe i thought maybe i view the card as the answer to try and balance out that limit one per deck but they see it more as a interesting card effect that can go to one element as opposed to a card that is actually needed in the competitive environment be yeah. i guess like i'm trying to be fair to the designers i don't <laughs> think they're i don't think they like i don't think you, they're you happy know, that it's roll locked i think it's just they thought that was a cool way to approach the card maybe yeah i don't know but there's nothing we can do about it now other than figure it out yeah. anyway sorry i think yeah we've discussed this enough um i know a lot of people have talked about it at length and people seem to be on both sides of it, which I I can see both sides, and I think it's fine. Like the game's still pretty young, and, and it, yeah. I, it's still fun. I, I like I'm fine that like we've had the one roll for what eight months now or something. Like it's been fun. Like I've I've not got well, bored of playing Keep Reverse. That's crab. great if you're crab, Brett. <laughs> I think I think one <laughs> thing it does do is that if you're playing crab, you kind of have to include sabotage. Because if you're playing mirrors and your opponent has them and you don't, it's like them just cancelling your rebuilds and, and you're you not cancelling theirs, which is like a huge fucking swing in that mirror. So I think if you're one side effect it does have being earth roll only is that pretty much all crabs are gonna have to play at least one or two, maybe three. Well, I I think we discussed off air just before we started the podcast about how much variety there is on the decks in on Jigoku. And I guess you're saying there is like decks might start fitting in sabotage, but it's like, what do you cut? And I think that offers up that diversity that encourages, I guess, a bit more variety when you sit down to verse someone. Well, crab so needs maybe you're right, diversity. but like maybe, <laughs> and yeah, but it's, I just, I'm just saying like, it's interesting that I can now sit opposite someone and I'm not entirely confident what's in their conflict deck anymore. So that's a, that's a good, that's a good thing. I think. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I did think that the Honor deck would be a thing before now. I guess I'll just go ahead and say it again. I think the Honor deck will be a thing after this cycle and then probably be completely wrong. The Well, yeah, remember, your Unicorn is 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 <laughs> and will always be a deck that uh, can generate wins. For those that it don't is, know. It is a right. deck that can win, yes. That is, that is a fact. <laughs> when, you, when, when, when you can... If you're someone like me who flips three Keepers by turn two when you play a Keeper yeah. deck... Um, the goal of the yurt deck is kind of a similar it's flip three yurts and then <laughs> fire them all and then rebuild all three and you're kind of there by that That's time true. i guess you just got to learn how to roll all sixes right oh glenn, glenn's there um, mastered rolling all sixes it's only a master at getting all these damn is, keepers is bonsai guard enough is bonsai guard enough to make honor a thing for crane no. or is it just no. turning it's enough to turn off the dishonor condition, right? I'll make it extremely hard to I, I, think, I, I think that card is... It can be seen as like a pseudo card draw because you you can bid higher than you would have otherwise and then pay for it through that. But yeah, and also it makes it hard to dishonor them. But I reckon that Are you talking card, about Bonsai Garden? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think the honor deck is not one card. It's a collection of cards working together. But yeah. I still don't think, even after the cycle, it'll definitely be a deck that people play. Because you can play it almost not necessarily entering, interacting a whole lot with your opponent, but you still can't use it to win events because you need points to win events. I think it's... Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. 
But I think that auto deck's it's getting its pieces, right? That new Callow fellow, whatever his name is, the little one cost. He's the best. He's the best flavor text in the game, by the way. If you want to just trash talk an opponent, oh, I should bring it up. I, I think I leave it to you guys the other day. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna have a look. What the, deck? It, what packs it in? Oh, here it is. Callow delegate. Callow delegate. Zero one. He, and, and he as a reaction, thinks, yeah. He already thinks himself so talented that there is potential. Uh, but there's potential there. Yep. So, is this the cheeky face he's making? I think he's <laughs> he's thinking he's a bit better than he is. Uh, right. So I mean that uh, that guy yeah, does a bunch of stuff, right? Like, it can help with the honor victory condition because, like, during your fate uh, fate phase, he's, he dies first as an interrupt. Honors someone else that's about to go out. And so he basically nets you an honor, right? He can also set up exploding crane like with a, a chain of noble sacrifices. But like, yeah. he does give you an honor, right? Like basically, he can also prevent you from losing the game that way. Like you choose him to leave play first and then honor the guy who's dishonored. Actually, you know, Ben, I really liked your idea. I kind of spaced out for a second, so maybe you already mentioned it. But noble sacking in the yeah. fade phase, yeah. I love Alternative, that. Alternatively, I think it also, and I guess this is from a crab player's perspective, it allows them to have voice of honor in the fate phase, where yeah. sometimes, yeah. sometimes yeah, yeah. you would, sometimes there would be that window where they don't have the cancel online because there's no honored guys left in play. To can um, the uh, way of the crab, or just, or really just any event that, yeah, like you know, it's just something that I think means that voice of honor is basically going to be online the entire game given all these other honor pieces that we've seen including a jewel and a um and a spell i um, think that honor victory is a bit of a red herring and i think that cards like bonsai garden are best used to prevent losing the game and to fuel yeah. playing more horrible effects like spreading the darkness and assassination i think it's i think i, I, I don't see enough uh, support there to make like an actual win condition uh, like that outside of like very rare situations where you need to switch to, to because you can't break your Phoenix opponent or something. Do you so mean, what you're really saying? You mean last weekend, last last Friday when I won twice with the honor deck. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there for that. <laughs> yeah, but I had all the pieces, <laughs> and they and they didn't have they didn't have all their cut like. I had to be all fair, you were playing with additional sets. <laughs> yeah, <right? exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the same game. I think um, I think you're you're onto something there, but but I think if you're going to run Bonsai Garden for that reason, why not just run Artisan Academy to like? Yeah, I wouldn't be running Bonsai uh, Garden. Put it that way. I think there is a reason. <laughs> I I think the reason is that the Bonsai Garden can buttress the on loss. Right, so it's not necessary. It, it obviously can double as a delayed card draw. Right, it lets you bid five again the next turn or whatever. But in the meantime, you can play that bonsai assassinate. Like playing an assassin's yeah. second assassinate. No, it's good for can, that. Yeah, I think it's very good for that because you can you can um, play a bit more aggressively and just play the nasty cards. Yeah, but if you nice. go if you go the airing right, and you're potentially like you're gambling, you're basically seeing you're gonna lose the airing, because like you're either gonna gain three honor, two honor, or zero or one honor or zero, right? So um, the risk is that if you go into the air conflict and then assuming you're gonna lose it, they could have Kadaka out, and then you're kind of losing value there too. Like I, I think with Kadaka in the meta, it's kind of a risky card. Um, it also makes you like your opponent's never going to declare air for you when it's in play, so you have to choose uh, oftentimes the weakest ring. Like air is oftentimes the weakest ring choice, and so you kind of you kind of want to choose that when that card's on, in your row. I think that's why Kadaku is a card. It, it makes the airing quite that much more appealing, and it's also why the Fuxing Disciple, say his name, the one two I think very feng shui, the one to to glory. Um, whoever controls the airing chooses a character, and then uh, the crane player picks whether you honor or dishonor them. I think that 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 sort of a deck is really fucking risky to play when there are decks that can play against the waves six times. Like any any deck that's Shigenja heavy, 
if you if you're in a big tournament and you come up against uh, Kid and Isawa Phoenix and their restric- restricted card is against the waves, you can't buy a big Shigenja, yeah. and so your your dynasty flips are like you normally are. Yeah, it's really fucking hard. Do you want to, on that point, do you want to discuss just briefly um, the crab Shigenja and where they fit? As, as like a group? Talking for Yuri? Yeah, I guess Burt's just raised it against the waves as quite a strong card against these bigger Shigenja that we're seeing in a lot of clans. Um, and I guess the most prominent one being this week, Kuniyori. Um, as a five-cost Shigenja, that's not a, sh- a Phoenix Phoenix Shigenja. Do you guys have any thoughts on whether his ability and stat line justify being able to buy him against the Phoenix or a just, clan that's playing against the waves? I foresee him getting right into hard drugs, and I see that guy getting clouded every single time he hits the fucking table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a high-priority cloud target, but. He doesn't actually need to attack to have a meaningful impact on the game state because he can just be bought. It's a bit like Tadaka, right? He d- you don't have to attack with Tadaka. You can just bring him out and he has a very meaningful impact on the game. So I think the yeah, same is true for Yuri. So I guess maybe also then, bringing it out more broadly, do we think every clan's going to be running Cloud the Mind by the end of this cycle? Just a bit of prediction time. I think we'll see him more. <clears throat> I don't, I, so what, I clan, that, what clan that's not running Cloud the Mind now would you see running Cloud the Mind in the future? Crab, well, think, Lion, Unicorn. Right? I think crab, Crab's already are starting to run it. Um, and I think that... Uh, I think if you, if you can't run cra- uh, Cloud the Mind or, you, or you're unwilling to by the end of this arc, you're going to be losing games. The amount of games that I've had decided by impactful Cloud the Minds in the last... I don't know, a couple of weeks, it's been astronomical how impactful that card is. It's so important. And you either have to have them or have to have attachment hate or a mixture. Uh, they're just super, super important. Hmm. So you said crab, lion, and unicorn, right? So that makes that makes it one at least one deck in every clan, right? Crab will play cloud. They're already doing it with Kudaka and uh, Steadfast. Yeah. I think with Kuniyori in the deck and um, Kudaka, yeah, I I think it's easily a viable card. I think Unicorn can do it too with the Master of Swift Waves and the Wayfinders. Good enough to do it. I think Unicorn will be playing three. I think everyone except Lion will be playing three easily. And I think Lion will just be dumpster tears. So there's no point talking about him. What impactful Shigenja are there in line besides Spirit Caller? They have one. And then the the other one that's been... Previewed is just a shitty two drop. <laughs> right. Does it have an ability? It, yeah, it just says it does not bow uh, as a result of conflicts, which it loses. It's a two one two classic lion card. It's a lose. It's a lose more card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about Yori, and I know there's a bit of flack. The crab players are saying we're too scared of against the waves. You know, we're, no, we're terrified. I think crab chat. I think crab chat's for him. I think that's just me, to be honest. <laughs> okay. I know, I know that, that, that Jay was also saying that the uh, at a tournament yesterday. Um, I think the the passive effects pretty good. Yeah, hugely good because it helps you get keepers. your keepers out. It helps you get your keepers. Yep. Yeah. Like it's bloody amazing. I think that if they against the waves, you yeah, fair enough, and you cop it, but it's not the end of the world and you could probably then maybe still play steadfast i know steadfast seems to have disappeared but was a mainstay of crab for a very long time it's a bit odd that she's disappeared because it's it's only in the phoenix matchup that she's a bad like a bad flop and then the i think other we're starting clans... to see other clans splash against the ways as well but yeah i agree I just she's think not great so- Scorpion either, because she gets fate worse than death, and then she's just a shit can. Yeah, I, I think I tried forever to try and play around that by, like, you try and do all your other conflicts first. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Ben, in that the random discard for one honor is a really interesting way to take card design, and also it offers a bit more randomness to a game, but it also feels like it's within... Within a reasonable level of you know interaction, 
because unlike policy debate, it's it is random. It does have a real cost in a clan that has a box that only gives them 10, 10 honor, and in a clan that got given a really strong power uh, buff card in spreading the darkness that also costs two honor. So, yeah, I think it's well. I think it's reasonably costed for its ability. It's half an earth ring, and it costs an honor. All I'm saying is, if this guy was printed with a gold border, I'd be fucking jizzing my pants, man. He's got such a great effect. Uh, yeah, but if you look at the quality of the average lion character <laughs> <laughs> versus crab... <laughs> yeah. It's a real, it's a real bushy. <laughs> Lions definitely like ups and downs right it's got some really really strong characters and then just a wealth of mediocrity i think it's only got clan. i think it's only got three a-grade cards in the entire clan and most other clans have about 10 a-grade cards. so who cards. do you think what are the top three lion cards well it's pretty obvious it's spirit caller lion's pride brawler and uh for greater glory it's to carry trash tier no, he's just, just he's shit. just medium. He's okay. With, with charge being restricted, he loses a bit of value. I think think time for war is the best line card when you, <laughs> when, you run, when you run it in Scorp- when you run it in Scorpion and just put a Sashimono on Shoju. You can't. Uh, it's only weapons, man. Time for war uh, has the, a uh, sorry. The ca- what's the three? What's the plus three? The ca- the other one. Uh, Kamiyari. Yeah, that's it. Kamiyari. The card sucks. <laughs> not, not when you play it for not when you play it for free. Still sucks, man. You gotta lose, lose conflict. It's a lose more card. It's a lose honor. It's a lose more card again. That's all play. That's all play at the Kote. I saw Lion players playing Kamiaris. Uh, I think. Wow. I didn't see that. Is it? A, it's not roll. <laughs> that, that it's makes, not roll. Actually, makes me a mystic worth it. No. To be honest, it's like you're one fade up at the end of that exchange. <laughs> Just... <laughs> we talk about think... we talk about the real superstar Azunami, a psycho Azunami. When can I get like a full art as an army? Wait, is this the one, the Watermaster? Fuck yes. <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretty good. So we're actually, I guess, Melon raises a good point. Where do we where do we feel these three glory characters fit in the the current level of like playability? I think you need to reserve a finger of jade for them, and then you need yeah. to play a Benton's touch on them, and you make them a beast. It is so tough. Although Benton tu- Benton's touch is not terrible in a world where Uona exists. Oh my god. Uona, right? Let's just talk about that <laughs> so character. Good. So good. Like the new the new two coster that everyone just wants to murder. Like everyone in Rokugon is sending their ninja yeah, out. Yeah, every yeah. every single yeah. combat. Assassinate like, going back to death, it's like, man. It's like where is that Uona? Hundreds of assassins. They made a huge fucking mistake printing that card. It's complete yeah, I so, bonkers. I, I'm, I'm still optimistic that in the last pack there's going to be a an, unpa- an unbow effect. Uh, it, it's the only thing that makes sense to my brain as to why... Yeah, but then you, you print an unbow that's accessible and then all it does is make dragon and crab Voltrons even more powerful. So I, don't, I think this is a huge mistake, period. Uh, the, earlier today, or yesterday, I played against a lion, right, who had invested like 11 fate in a spirit caller and a brawler. And he sent in his brawler to attack me, and I first action clouded his spirit caller and bowed his brawler and just ended the conflict. Like, all right, I play a two drop and play one cloud, which I'm already playing in my deck. See you yeah. later. Seems, yeah. It seems, I mean, it's Phoenix doing these synergistic things that makes it fun to play, I guess. I think, I think the only example you really need is that when I played Crab and my opponent played three Maze, the Illusions, on me, and they all fired and went off. And then Uona had also fired, so I had a fully bowed board. That was the that was the turn that I realized that I kind of didn't want to see her again. Well, um, <laughs> I think you I think with Maze, you just have to pretend like it's just always going to go off, right? You're never going to get it, right? So pretend that the card says it just bows and dishonors you guy for one fate. And now what do you do, deck building wise? You got to put in fingers. You got to put in well, whatever it is, right? The straighten, the um, rehonoring stuff. Do we think? Do we think everyone's going to be putting three fingers, three clouds? Like, is that is that something that you yeah. can? Is that yeah. something you can legitimately do? And you got to give up on a few more of those, I guess, spice cards. I think that Scorpion would necessarily need to run those cards, but 
Cloud, probably yes, but Finger and Jay, they probably don't need to. But anyone who's trying to win the game through characters and conflicts, aka not Scorpion, will have to run them. You just have to. Right, so if yeah. you're going for a conquest, so if you're going for a conquest victory... If you're just playing fair L5R, you'll have to run all, yeah, like, uh, full sweep. Yeah, interesting. Especially mm. when initiative is, a, is really important, right? So if you're going first and you're attacking first, your opponent's got the initiative during a conflict to play one of their devastatingly nasty cards. It's in that moment, it's in those moments where you really need them. Yeah, I I think it's interesting that Finger of Jade was a card that I felt like, at least here in Melbourne, like, did we did anyone really play it before it kind of got big at the Kotai's? Yeah, Melbourne was playing in Phoenix for a bit. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You were was my answer to Feast or Famine. You were ahead of that. That was, that was back when when Dragon Splash was free because you had Mirror Motors Fury without paying a restricted slot for it and so everyone was just playing yeah. on Dragon Splash. I noticed so on play a figure Jade and just have a liquid. I like anything with Jade in it, you know? Jade Masterpiece, <laughs> Figure Jade. I noticed on Jiku about two weeks after a Fate Worse Than Death came on it, every dragon and crab deck was running three fingers, it felt like. It was just a plague. Yeah. But yeah. pre pre Fate Worse Than Death being in plague proportions, I didn't see it. I think I think it's from the first pack, which is why I went back and found yeah. it in my card pool when I think I pulled it out for the first time ever before the go tie. And I went, Oh, like <laughs> like how did I not see this card uh four or five months earlier? Because Fate was to death was not card. in plate proportions. I, like, I also I, I also think that, that card. That card that card is that card is very fair. Fair. I think, I think that's a fair card. Finger of Jade also only really became prominence when people were putting three and four fate on their guys and Voltroning them up with eight attachments. Because then the card, like the yeah. card is worth one fate on a weenie when you're trying to protect it from assassinate, but it's worth a lot more than one fate when you're putting it on your big tower. Like it's yeah, worth great. it's worth two or three fate if you can protect your tower for a turn. Yeah, I second the motion. Yeah. Okay. So, so this podcast is a fan of Finger of Jade. Uh, <laughs> Ben, hey, what, hey Glenn. Oh, yes. Yeah. What about that tattoo that we all love? Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Let's quickly cover hawk tattoo. Um, hawk poon. I think it's actually. I know. I, I've been calling it. What did I start? I started calling it hook tattoo, and it's hook just tattoo? it's so familiar to me now that I hook poon baby. So I guess I guess hawk we should poon, talk about harpoons. formal poon. It's so, it's actually it's actually the theme of this card that actually really bothers me the most. Because you can imagine, like, you you as the Scorpion player have, you know, in, hired tattoo artists to infiltrate the <laughs> enemy encampment and paint little hawks onto their guys, right? <laughs> I think it's an amazing Scorpion card. So let's, let's, I think we should, like, I remember in Core Only that um, Yogo Heroway and Doji Challenger, Yeah, I think they were the two, that the Harpoon effect was just... Like it was every game, it would go off, and you would just, it would just wreck your turn, basically. Um, I, granted, I, I was very you know, experienced with the game, but it always felt like it had such an impact to drag someone in. Um, well, it is, isn't it? It's a kind of control. Yeah, and that and that required a three or four fate investment in a character to do so. Um, <laughs> my my issue with hook tattoo is that it can cost in crab theoretically zero uh one fate so you can spend zero on an eager scout you can attack in with an eager scout and then you can spend a fate per character that you want to bring into the conflict to drag them all in and <laughs> bow them all out um it's a very it's a very powerful card and i'm i always just wondered if maybe they just forgot the little line that was meant to say monk only what i took away the, from that is that glenn plays eager scout <laughs> yeah. You laugh, but then you want some full But you is Eager Scout playable with the spreading Dactus? No, card shit. In the Takasuki deck, he is. Is it but, too expensive? But, even, but yeah, people, it's... listeners, if anyone actually listens to this podcast, Takasuki deck is not a, is a is only for if you want your opponent to look over at your stronghold and see like twenty fate, and then look at your board and see like one dude. <laughs> and just kind of, just kind of question what's going on. <laughs> um, there is some... I came, I came fourth at an event once where I played uh, 
What's that one where you discard the favor and get two fate? Faracord. Oh, Faracord. Yeah. <laughs> and um, calling, what is it, written in the stars? Yep. Both of those cards are the same deck. Yep. Yep. And, yep. Three Kai inventors. I think that card, that, that card will eventually see play. But, um, yeah, of course. The, I mean, that's interesting, right? We just mentioned all these cards that we all laugh about now, but probably in a little while we're all going to be whinging about them because there'll be a card that comes out uh, like a holding or a... I think with Aegis Scout, there'll eventually be a scout theme, right? And there'll be cards yeah. that make scouts good. Yeah, do you know what they'll do? It'll be like your opponent's broken three of your provinces and you've just flipped over their entire board. Like, that'll be the scout theme. Is that you flipped, you've just flipped over their entire board. You're like, <laughs> you're like I win the I know what you've got race. No, I think scouts <laughs> will have like a sneak type effect like that little unicorn does. I think the little unicorn, Child of the Plains, with the spread in darkness seems pretty... Well, child child pretty, of the Plains gives you... Pretty good. He gives you initiative, doesn't he? Child of the yeah, Plains? that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's so you fine. you play that first, right? Yeah. The thing, the thing about Eager Scout is, and all the other cards that we named, is that they're all negative tempo, right? Why yeah. would you ever play a card that's negative tempo, right? Unless it, unless there was a huge return on the back end, right? Like, I'm going to play this guy, you're going to pass, so you're going to get the tempo, but then th there's got to be a sacrifice mechanic or something that makes that dude amazing. To be fair, yeah. man, you, you pay one fate for the privilege of an Eager Scout. And a keyword. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Wait, I, when I first, what are you talking about? The, when no, I first the, um, the the you pay you pay one for the fire tensei initiate who, who's a shigenjo, but she's still a zero zero. Yeah, but I pay I pay uh, I get that Too from glory. Too yeah. glory. I know. I'm just um, and and uh, plus one to all my spells. Yeah, I'm trying to make Eager Scout playable here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Eager right. Scout. When I first looked at the game, I thought, "Wow, man! Any card that costs zero is amazing." But that was before yeah. I understood the opportunity cost of a Dynasty Phase action. It's such yeah. a big cost. Can we? We can just quickly throw a shout out though to uh, Good Omen. Same play in uh, specifically the Maze deck. That oh, I was oh yeah. The two card reprieve. Maze, man. The two card reprieve. <laughs> um, no, no. The shout out was for Good Omen, dude. <laughs> it was Good Omen. Got the shout out. <laughs> This podcast is about promoting, um, um, sorry, this podcast is about promoting cards that you would otherwise have in your binder for the next year. And so it's just kind of like a throwback. <laughs> I just don't think it's body, a binder fodder anymore. I, I don't think it is. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it, I think it's okay, right? Like, um, I think that the time in which players start lowering their bids and therefore the opportunity to play this card is actually sort of coming forward towards the front of the game. You know, bids will start decreasing on turns two and two and three. Um, and I think actually, that card if you, will if you suck. no, I think I think <laughs> Paul you... raises a good point though. Like he's talking. I think it's interesting that it seems like they're accelerating the the, the game in the sense of how fast you get to box. But yeah, they're yeah. also decreasing the draw that you get through each turn. Yeah, which is and an interesting also, dynamic. The more cards cost you honor nowadays, right? So you can't actually afford to bid so high as liberally anymore. And if you actually turn that card, the uh, good omen, into um, equivalent on table value, uh, it's anywhere from three to five fate worth of value. And plus all the attachments that happen to be on your guy. It's. Uh, I think it's an easily playable card. Uh, you know, it's been the real winner out of all these cards that require the spending of honor. Is I think what's been good is one of the underplayed hands, um, the City of the Open Hand box. As you bid less, like that becomes a thing. Then every point of honor becomes more and more important. So I think that Scorpion got a bit of a boost out of this. Yeah, it could do. Do you, do you, do you underplay stronghold? Do you think? <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Do you think when um, the Hatamoto for the clan has to resort to putting two restricted cards in the, in the deck <laughs> that you need, that, that it does need the boosts? Yes, just to yeah. Ensure there's playability in the old clans. Yeah, probably, I mean, probably, they, you probably were messaging Brad and being like, "Mate, I just can't play with one restricted card. Do you mind setting the Scorpion clan pack out a bit earlier?" They're like, "Yeah, okay, we'll push, we'll push Unicorn to the uh, back end of the 
the schedule and just throw in the score pack in October. So, just- I just throw a question out here, right? We all agree that City the Open Hand is, if not it's the strongest, it's pretty close to the best stronghold that's currently out there. It's the it's, best. It's top it's tier, best. right? Yeah, there's like, no, the there's no question. Yeah, we're not saying it's not, it's not, it's not crane tier, right? It's, it's pretty. If there was, it's, playable. You... it's, it's, it's something, it's something that I include in all my scorpion decks. If that's yeah. what you're asking me, <laughs> yeah, 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 like it's auto include, right? Snap include. You play scorpion, city to open hand, first card of the day, right? If a strong scorpion stronghold came out that said which you could play, which there's a new one, but the good thing about the new one, completely different deck. Yeah. So jury's out whether it be good or not, but at least there's something, some options, right? But if it was a scorpion stronghold, says you can play an additional restricted card in your list. Is that a goer? What's the what's the, what's what's the rest, Mister De- Mister Card Designer? Mm. What's the uh, rest of the stats on that stronghold? My just the same as you think it's whatever. blank. It's a blank box, but it has <laughs> that ability. It's yeah, zero. like it it'd doesn't have zero, any. It'll be zero strength, right? I would nah. probably still play City of the Open Hand, personally. What about I'd, two I'd additional restricted cards? Two, two additional, yeah, then I'd go the restriction cards. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah. I think Game That'd of be, Thrones had one. That. There, was, there, was a, there was a role that let, oh, you, really? that let you run... It's called a lion, so it let you run two splashes, basically. But so Agot can, wasn't roll-locked, right? No, you can pick whichever role you want. Yeah, sorry, yeah. they're called agendas. You can pick whichever agenda. But they didn't um, lock agendas. I, I, speaking of like no. power levels of strongholds, um, did you guys see that article discussing the different power levels of the different clans? No, uh, no but it was yeah. it was posted on I think it's Wardens of the Midwest, was it? Yeah, but, yeah, it was Joe Joe Habes. So. So, a... Yeah, you go about uh, I was just <clears throat> this. This actually sparked a fair bit of controversy because anytime one of these ratings lists comes out, um, essentially everyone who reads the article immediately finds one of the ratings that they find to be wrong, and then chucks out the rest of the analysis, <clears throat> which is what happened after this came out. And I think that the way that they like individually ranked dynasty and conflict sides based on the individual cards and components of of uh, each clan, I don't know, man. I think it's, I don't know if it's that valuable of an analysis. And I think there's a bit of a danger in reading these and, and t- either taking them as gospel or disregarding them entirely. So I think you just have to read between the lines of that sort of stuff. Do you think, do you think just like this podcast that any article that can have an opinion on those things with players that do seem to know how the game works at a more competitive level, that at least it encourages discussion around these things? So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like while while they may rate a certain car, uh, dynasty or conflict deck X number, that number is kind of arbitrary in terms of like they've just decided for themselves that that's where it sits um, within a rational yeah. level of number, and so it can just encourage discussion of like, well, hey, I didn't think that Lions conflict deck was that bad, but now that I've looked at this article, I can see where. Um, sorry, it's, this is where I get confused. I think it's Lions Dynasty deck, right? It's like there's only the two cards that are really strong, and the rest kind of fill in the gaps. They, they rated Lion Dynasty and Conflict pretty low, <laughs> but yeah. um, but I it, just think... it just encourages discussion, right? Because then I can be like, hey, that's some good points about that clan. What do you think might help change? And what do you think about the current cards that are coming into the packs and where they help fit shape a clan's? I uh, agree. Definition. Any discussion is good, but um, picking apart the components of a deck throws away context. And so I'm much more interested in asking you, well, which, which matchups are good for Crab or which matchups are good for Lion and why yeah. and which cards are key in those, in those games. And then when you play a field, which, which decks do you expect to face and which ones of those do you feel like your deck has an edge against? Those sorts of discussions that synthesize they effectively synthesize all of these ratings into a more of like a field-based argument, and that's what I'd prefer to see. So I don't yeah, like the rating articles, of, personally. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I guess also on that note, um, it's, yeah, I mean, you're talking about like matchups, matchups and stuff. Did you guys want to at all touch on Discord League, or is that something we didn't want to discuss too much about? 
That sounds uh, like an excellent topic for next week. I think we've hit the hour mark. That's all right. Like a pretty sweet that's, spot. That's a, to end it. that's a good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good prelude for next week. Uh, so we'll be talking hot takes on Discord League. We'll be talking World Cup. We'll be talking Frenchies. We'll be talking matchups. Uh, all right. Um, any any last comments? Uh, any what thoughts would you like to leave the L five public with, uh, Merlin? Um, I think I'd probably just throw another two cents on the last discussion, which is that any discussion about L five R is good because um, when you bounce ideas off other people or when you absorb and synthesize other people's ideas, that's the real inspiration and creativity. Uh, so you can come up with some really interesting stuff. You never, nobody ever does that stuff in a vacuum. So, play games, talk about games. And if you're going to play games, just build fun decks. I think these six weeks allow you just, you can kind of, it's similar to other card games when a new expansion comes out. You can kind of just get away with a lot of cards that you probably otherwise wouldn't. So, like, people probably don't run as much attachment hate right now. So, you can pull out those big three cost attachments and have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and for me, I will just say, uh, stay tuned to my stream at twitch.tv slash Toriadori is in the coming days I'll probably be eating my Matsu 7th Legion cards live on stream so check that out well thanks everyone really? that was a Hidden City Roller Derby and we'll catch you next week see ya